Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at this whatever we're doing. And joining me as per usual is my co-host and associate editor, Miss Annie Bondo. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Uh, I don't know. As most of you playing along at home probably know, like I'm still house hunting and it is, I don't know why I thought that like house hunting after like being in a pandemic for two years, having my wedding delayed twice, replanning the wedding during the pandemic, splitting my reception from the wedding during the pandemic, and then like trying to buy a house was like the move. It was not the move. I'm so sorry. It's horrible. It's really, it's horrible out there. And I realize I'm saying that from like a period of incredible privilege that this is something that I can complain about, but it's also super terrible. So I need to complain about it. I, I understand. It's okay. Um, buying a house is terrible any time of year. Um, it's like, it's something, I read something that it's like one of the most, like, <laughs> like I think like a death in the family, getting married and buying a house are like the three like most stressful things you can do. And I'm like, great, let's just do all those right now. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, I'm making the sign of the cross myself because I, no one in our family has been ill or anything, but like two out of three is a lot. Yeah, it is. Um, so uh, what are we talking about today? Deaths in the family? Speaking of death and family, <laughs> um, did you like how I did that segue? We are here. I feel like we just talked about this, but also that's because it was just on again. Um, we are coming back to season 11 of Called the Midwife, which let us take a second and just be like the show has been on for 11 years and boggle at that for a moment. And joining us to help us dig into... What I am pretty sure is the darkest season of this show to date is uh, my boss, Mr. Nick Scalera, one of the only uh, guys I know that really loves called the Midwife. So we're here for that uh, perspective. Hi, Nick. Yes, guilty as charged. Glad to be here. Um, I, was, I was really looking forward to this season. And then I watched a few of the episodes. <laughs> and then you watched it. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, you know, I, I have to say that this is actually, um, for me, watching the show, it really struck me how much I prefer the British style of show, if um, the British the, the British format of releasing. Please expand. Um, so what I mean by that is, um, you know, for, 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 for people in the UK, they watched season 10 of Call the Midwife about this time last year, and then they got the new season in January, the one that we're now watching. And so they had almost a year in between, whereas because of the way that, you know, um, you know, rights and all that, we didn't get season 10 until fall. And now we have season 11 here in the spring. So it's almost like we're getting Call the Midwife in an American format, because most American television shows like this one, say, like Grey's Anatomy, ER, you know, other you know, hospital, long running hospital shows is that they basically they run twice as long. They run like 20. I think uh, I think Grey's Anatomy averages like 22 episodes a year. Um, and then they run like 11 of them in the fall and then there's a break and then they run 11 of them in the spring. And so this kind of almost feels like, you know, between between the seven episodes that we got in the fall, the Christmas special over the holidays, and now eight more episodes here in the spring, it feels very much like we're sort of getting the the the, the Americanized mm. format of Call the Midwife. And it made me realize how much I prefer not having that. You know, like, I love event television. I also think... 
I don't really know that I consider midwife event television because as good and solid as it as good and solid as it is, it's literally the same like thing over and oh, over. Oh no, it is, but you only get it once a year, so it's sort of an event every time it shows up. I think the problem is that this season, like Call the Midwife, has always been like a five Kleenex kind of show. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it's usually done a much better job than I feel the first half of this season has done in balancing the five alarm tissue situation with like something that feels sort of like joy. I I just I there's so much in these first four episodes that are it's just like I don't need this right now. Like it's so heavy. It's so dark. Well, I, I I think I think that one of the things that's supposed to be balancing also isn't working, which is the Trixie romance. And oh, I think yeah, that I that don't is care about them at all. I, I think that's part of the problem. I think that if the if the Trixie romance, I don't know, didn't feel forced. I, well, you know what it is, and we'll come back to the Trixie thing in a second because I I definitely know that Nick has some thoughts on the overall like super sadness of this season but the problem with the Trixie thing is she says it herself she's like oh well he's already like buried the love of his life basically so like even even from jump it starts out as like well I guess this is fine yeah Yeah, I mean how many burials were there in the first episode I mean (laughs) there's a lot of burying going on (laughs) This yeah. thing, you know, and it's. And I mean, it's, I don't know, or digging up of bodies. Digging up yeah. well, when, you, when, your, when your season starts with a baby skeleton, I'm sorry, multiple baby okay. skeletons. Okay, truly, I could have just imagined that. I did not need to see like the prop department's recreation of a tiny, like, 35 year old baby skeleton, like hard pass no thank you well, i mean getting to back to annie's point like i i agree it was and, and i don't have as as deep feelings about british versus tv programs and i'm nowhere near the experts you you both are but it did seem to come very quickly that we were suddenly in on call the midwife again and um then to have this it start the way it did in episode one literally in the first five minutes really got me like way off guard to the extent that i was like I was like, wow, Call the Midwife is back. On the one hand, the other hand, I was like, oh, this is what's back. I'm not ready for this. And it, it was, it, it did seem weird for US viewers, I think, to have that short runway. And not only that, but to have it, you know, not just the first episode, but the first really four episodes are pretty tough. This season is relentlessly dark. Yeah, relentless. I was expecting a lot more Eurovision cheerfulness and like 1967, like let 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 let's time and place. Let me tell you, if you had not hyped up the whole Eurovision thing to me, I would have I I, I actually forgot that that was even a semi plot point until you just said it. Right. Like, it's such a non entity in anything. I was so disappointed because the the World Cup was such a big deal in season 10 that I sort of assumed that they were doing the same thing with Eurovision because this is the this was 1966 was the year that the UK won the World Cup. Uh, uh, 1967 was the year that the UK won Eurovision. So I sort of thought that they were doing the same sort of thing. And then it really wasn't a thing and i was so disappointed and and i think that's you that's one of the and i think uh lacy alluded to this earlier the balance is out of whack so the thing is with call the midwife right we've talked about it it is a formula to to lacy's point um and you kind of know what you're going to get every episode and there is this yin and yang of the hard hard stuff and the sort of the happy um you know sort of cutesy storylines And the difference this year is that those cutesy storylines like Eurovision, like they're so light and airy and just nothing. They're kind of nothingness. 
if they don't they don't outweigh the misery and just depression and just the st- the rough stuff you're seeing to the point where like you don't really care about those those sort of uh, ancillary stories, right? I mean, <laughs> I te- I texted both of these to this morning, and I was like, "Wow, someone was really like, hey, how can we make this series of Call the Midwife even more depressing?'" And someone legit piped up and was like, "How about an Auschwitz survivor?" <laughs> like that's that's what this season is. It's like let's. I don't even know where you go after Auschwitz survivor. Right. I mean, uh, what, least- and what was the counterbalance to that? I believe it was Fred Buckle handing out popsicles because it was hot. Yes, and and the the mother that I fully, given how dark this season has been, the mother who was having problems breastfeeding, I was like, right. she's gonna kill herself, mm-hmm. or she's gonna kill that baby. I was like, there's gonna be murder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was. I I I I definitely agree. The balance is out of whack, and part of it, I think, is that they that the I don't know if it's just that the the chemistry between Trixie and Matthew does not work or what but like I just don't feel those two at all and the thing is is that I thought for me anyway I thought it was maybe just like that Trixie was off this season but I loved her with the two sisters who were you know the one that had the twins and the one who's having problems breastfeeding I thought that was like the best use of her character when she was trying to help that woman understand what was happening wasn't her fault it was an illness like that that is like Trixie at her absolute best as a character and then like she drops ice cream on her dress like seriously that's that's the plot I mean honestly like you know up up until the sister thing I actually was starting to think to myself I know how you you keep saying let us retire sister Monica Joan I was like is it time to retire Trixie and oh actually, my gosh, how I, many times did I think Monica Joan was going to die this season? At least twice already. I, I, I actually came in thinking to myself that um, up until I actually watched uh, episode four, which was right before we recorded, I was thinking that my questions today was going to literally be like, um, are, so are we are we are we ready to get rid of Trixie yet? Who, who should it move to if Trixie goes? Because Trixie has kind of become, you know, she she's the she she's the she's kind of she's not really the main character. She's she's the last of the OGs. But yeah, Other she's, than like Sister Julianne and stuff, she's like the last of the original group. She's the closest to a Jenny Lee that we have at this point. Um, Except for Vanessa Redgrave's interminably terrible opening monologues. Can we stop those? Oh my god, which I skip every time. I'm really sorry, guys. I'm a terrible human being. I'm sorry. One of them, I just, I was like crying laughing. It was so bad. And it and it really feels, I think, too, like the the dissonance between what I just watched in the episode and then like Vanessa Redgrave's voice popping on to tell me about the beauty of life and friendship and family. It's just like, what season are you watching? Yeah, there's no relation. <laughs> there's no relation to any of the episode content anymore. I feel like there used to be. Um, but they are, yes, it's almost as if someone's off writing poetry and then you just stick it at the end. It just has no, or really bad poetry, I should say. None of it rhymes and it's not really even good sort of verse, but, um, but yeah, those, those have, those have hit a new low. Um, now on the whole Trixie thing, I agree. She has been, she is the, she has become the sort of default main character and, um, I do wonder though. I know she she just gave birth right in between seasons, and it and so oh mm-hmm. the actress, not Trixie, the actress, right? The actress uh, gave birth, <laughs> yes. and so Helen George, Helen George right. is her name. It did feel as almost as if that they were writing her storyline, like she wasn't on screen as much as I would have expected. Like I th- I agree, I think that she did 
you know, that that's episode four, her working with the two sisters, or if that was three, I don't remember. But that was that was sort of the best Trixie. But I feel like she wasn't really that much in the other episodes. Um, and and also the whole Matthew thing is, you know, it's just not working on every level. It's just not working. Um, and I don't really know exactly what's behind this, because as the audience, everyone wants to root for Trixie. She's been hurt many times. She's gone through addiction. Um, bad relationships, etc. But um, yeah, this just feels flat, right? Like we should be rooting for her to find her Doctor Turner the way that Sister Bernadette did, and we're not. You know, like I don't know. Maybe I, I think it's also because Matthew was. I didn't like Matthew in season ten. <laughs> like I just didn't until you know his wife died, and then he started giving like money to to Nana's house, and then I was like, okay, I like you. Um, but I don't. I still don't really like him. And so I was just sort of like, it's just everything about them is just it doesn't it's not sexy. I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. <laughs> well, they, I mean, unless there's more to come, right, because they very clearly sort of pushed out the like, this is not a sexy relationship in that episode where they were like, you know, every date was with the baby of, yeah. you know, his deceased wife. Who was oh, yeah. With his and then life. Nurse Corrigan's here. It'll be like, right. here's some advice that you didn't ask for, but I'm going <sighs> to tell you anyway. Right, right. So maybe it's pushing in a more romantic direction, but. Yeah, for the first four Does episodes. Did he even know her? That was so weird to me. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I don't, you know, it was weird. I think I think part of it had to do with the fact that, like, they are both sort of still um, treading lightly on the fact that, you know, how long has his wife been gone? It, less than a year? I don't know. So there's always, that's sort of always looming in the background. But um, yeah, that that's, that's really the only quote-unquote romance we have. I mean, Lucille and Cyril are very much in love, but that's just like, they're beyond the sort of, like, dating and the flowers no, they and- got ma- they got married at the christmas special they're 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 we, we've moved on to we've moved on to the breeding uh portion of the program <laughs> right right yes exactly <laughs> although i will tell you that that was like that was exactly the subplot where lucille thought she was pregnant and and she enlisted the help of um oh what's her name nurse, nurse crane, crane mm-hmm. to to figure it out and then she she told cyril and they were like it was that was really cute and sweet, and that's exactly what I think this season needed more of. A lot more of, yeah, I would absolutely agree. Um, and I also, you know, I, I, how do you guys feel about Nancy? By the way, our Nurse Corrigan or whatever you'd like to call her. Uh, I actually think I like her. Okay, I think I like her. I mean, I think I like her, but Annie had to remind me what her name was before we started recording, so I can't <laughs> possibly like her that much. But, um, I do like that she has a slightly different perspective from a lot of the other midwives that have come through Nanata's house. She has a child um, and and has experienced, you know, some, as we see in the story, which we haven't even touched on yet in its grossness, of poor, like, drunken Bernard. She, you know, has an experience of a more direct contact with poverty and with want than I think a lot of the other characters do I mean they all do because they work at Nadata's house and they they serve a very poor community but like in her personal life I think she's experienced it more directly than a lot of them have so I hope they keep doing stuff with that I could maybe really like all of her patients to keep their body parts attached to them that would be great but also oh my god just I mean, didn't I need that but I do like I think I think she's interesting and certainly more Certainly more so than some of the other kind of 
second stringers we've had come through the I think I think she does ring fairly authentic to your point I think she seems like a real person uh, the the issue I have with the nurse Corrigan Cor- story is the re- revelation that she is the mother to I'm forgetting the name of her daughter um that was such an odd scene so um you know sh- this is the big reveal right that that like I guess she was pretending to be the sis the older sister of her actual daughter um yes and that's had- actually that was actually something that 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 that's actually pretty normal for for yeah for that, I, I mean I just watched did anybody else watch Schmigadoon on Apple TV like which was great but also had a subplot of the school teacher uh was telling everybody that one of the kids was her younger brother but it was her son so I feel like I just saw that recently right. but yeah. yeah but it's you know it's a huge I mean, the child is young, but I just felt like it was like, oh, mommy. And it was just resolved in 30 seconds. And that thing had to, that that story arc was most of the previous season, right? Like the big right. reveal and everything else. And, um, you know, there was a lot of just like angsty discussions about like, how is it? How am I ever going to reveal myself as her mother? And what's it going to be like? And it's going to be so hard and so weird. And it was like she threw a ball over the fence and was like, mommy. And it was it like all good. We're all good here. I was just kind of like, that seems a little simple to me. I don't think the kids are, I mean, I think that would be more shocking to a child than even a child that age than I think we get portrayed in that. So I, I was a little confused by that storyline. I felt like it was, it, it resolved itself sort of quickly and maybe there's more to come, but I, I don't know. I found that scene to be very, very strange. Especially because, you know, at the end of season 10, when she sort of takes the baby from where she takes the little girl from the orphanage and it's a whole thing and you sort of aren't sure if like Nancy's even going to be back for season 11. Like it's sort of like the whole thing like felt very dramatic. And so it was sort of like an anticlimax in a way. Yeah. I mean, at at the same time, it's almost like there's almost a why were you so worried? See, kids are resilient. But at the same time, like, I was like, no, I, I really kind of wanted more of that. Um, and, you know, it's funny because that was that was um, contrasted with the with the baby skeleton storyline as well of a woman who didn't give away her babies and instead hid them in the floor, um, which just everything about that was so difficult like the woman who's investigating it was difficult like the 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 fact that she tried to blame her like dementia riddled mother it was difficult like everything about it and like and like you know and and there's a part of you that knows like sitting there that 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 you know dr turner and 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 the midwives are all going to kind of win this and eventually she and she won't go to jail because she's been punished enough etc cetera, etc cetera. but at the same time like it's just it was it was difficult that was that was really hard for me and so i think also like having that as the contrast is part of why it felt too easy i mean i mean yeah to dig into that that episode a little bit right so this is episode one this is episode one and the, the sort of the, what one of the things that annoyed me the most and you know and i love i love call the midwife i'm on record we've talked about it i expect certain things he's in like call the midwife facebook i'm, groups, I'm on the facebook like, group just... you know it's 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 a thing but the last thing i wanted was a murder mystery there are enough murder mystery shows in british tv there are so many of them i was like yes, I there don't, are. there's I even them. some where nuns are solving the crimes I, like yes right right and we had some nuns here and i was just like i don't you know i number one i was immediately turned off by the mystery aspect of it we found the bodies 
et cetera, et cetera. And then it, you know, it, and as it continued to unfold, it got more and more horrifying. So I started with, I don't want a mystery to like, this is the worst mystery ever. And this is like one of the most difficult stories to tell. And not only that, but we get to see on camera, I, you know, seeing a baby skull on camera was a lot more difficult than I imagined it would be. I mean, I, it's like, the thing I expect. Nope. To, it's the thing I expect to have to turn away from on Unforgotten, not the thing I expect <laughs> to have to turn away from on Call the Midwife. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like, and, 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 you know, the thing is I cover a lot of those mysteries. So in a way I'm a little like a nerd to those things. And I still had to turn away. I was, I was not ready. I was watching Call the Midwife. I was not prepared. I'm sorry. That was horrible. But I literally made a noise out loud when Bernard's foot fell off. Right. Well, we, we, oh we should God. go into that in detail. Like we should definitely just cover that episode because there's a lot going on there. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I had to look up whatever drinking meths was. Did I tell you guys that? I was like, because I, when I hear the word meth, I think like Walter White, but that's not what this is. No, it's no, no. This basically is basically like grain alcohol, pretty yes, much. It's methylated poisonous. spirits is what it technically right. so is. So this it's is deep. episode three, right? So episode yes. three. And um, you, we all had to Google this. They were like, this. you thought we couldn't top the baby skull. <laughs> you wait. <laughs> you wait. Here's a man who drinks denatured alcohol. Like, right. And so much of it that he's killed his lower body and it's fallen oh off my God. in front of it you. It was so disgusting. Well, I mean, you know, it's also worth mentioning, though, that like episode two was not any more cheery, like, so one was pretty bad. Two was like a little bit less like horrifying. And then three is a new level, a new level. I, I would say that two was sort of like what I expect from a hard episode of Call the Midwife. It had the it had the it had the cervical cancer and the his, and the woman having to deal with the hysterectomy and the idea that she wouldn't be able to ever have children. And I've actually known people in my real life who went through that, who um who had cervical cancer and ha and one was literally going to get fertility treatments. Like she'd started the, the 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 original scan was to get fertility treatments and um oh no actually you have cancer um so like i know that in real life that's the kind of thing i expect i expect scabies outbreaks and having to google what the heck scabies is and if it's deadly to children like that's what i expect out of an episode of call the midwife i don't expect baby skulls and feet falling off <laughs> it's well i mean I don't I I mean we all had to look up this meth drinker thing right and so I mean to put a, some content and I'm still not sure I, I entirely understand it somehow they got some form of alcohol these are essentially homeless men and they give us some some amount of their backstory but they're hard luck guys who are essentially homeless and they are so far beyond normal alcoholism that they are literally using some methylated alcohol. I'm not sure. I think it comes from Ironworks. I believe that mm -hmm. was mentioned at one point. Yeah. And this stuff is like pure death. This is like I, drinking I, your death, this stuff. No, this is literally like drinking. You're literally drinking denatured alcohol. Like it's it, it's fuel. Like it's disgusting. Like like and this is this is also a real thing that uh, again, this is a real issue that 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 uh, plagued the working class in the UK in mid-century, especially right after World War One and again after World War Two. So this is this is a real thing that they're that they're you know actually like um, that, that that they're actually like bringing up. But God, was it hard! And after and and in a season where things are already difficult, having that like that would have stood out in any season. But in a in a season where the rest of the episodes weren't as rough, it might have been like, okay, that's the bad one, and the rest are not so hard. And this was just like too much. Yeah, it was it was one step beyond anything we've ever seen 
And that is saying a lot. I mean, it, um, and not only that, but you know, it, um, it has this moment that is just so horrific that, you know, I was, I was mentioning to Lacey earlier, watching it twice was still horrifying. Watching it once the first time was bad enough. The first time I was a little bit surprised. I was like, what did I just see? And the second time I knew it was coming and it was still like, you want to throw up in your mouth, just watching this sort of thing. And, you know, we're all used to a certain amount of that, you know, babies are born and there's blood and that's part of call the midwife. I know I was going to say like, cause you know, you expect that. I'm like, Oh, well someone's having a baby. So there's about to be like a lot of fluid and afterbirth. Right. Woo. Cause they showed that in like the same episode. I just wasn't prepared for, I wasn't, I was not ready. No, I would agree. Again, there, there, there are some things that I'm prepared for if I'm sitting down to, I don't know, um, a Walter's Choice show that I'm simply not prepared for when I sit down for Call the Midwife. I expect it to treat, I, I expect it to be easier. Right. And I, I mean, it's, it's, and the scene itself is so, you know, it's in a back alley at night and Dr. Turner is there and Fred Buckle is there and Nurse Corvin, Corrigan, of course, who's become like, you know, sort of the, we were talking like she's sort of the most authentic in some ways and, and it, it, you know, more connected to poverty and, and, and sort of having a rough life. And we have to see it happen through her eyes. She's the person who does the thing. But even Dr. Turner looks like he's going to, I mean, a doctor looks like he's going to throw up when he's watching this. I don't know if you noticed. I sort of took a, a more of a look at his reaction to this and mm-hmm. he looked physically ill and Fred literally uh, can't even watch. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, this was, I, I have to say that of the seasons, this is probably the roughest thing. This is, this is the roughest stuff you've ever made me watch watching this show. You guys, it, 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 and, it is. And, 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 and and then and then this the, the, this past episode where where we have a, a concentration camp survivor. <laughs> like I said, they they were like, "Huh, what should we do after baby skeletons and falling off body parts? How about an Auschwitz survivor? Well, how about that?" Mike, you know, I, I, and I, he's going to describe his family's trip to the gas chamber in like brutally right. slow detail. It's. I don't know. I mean, I'm also just remembering that episode three, where which had the terrible uh, foot removal, <laughs> um, also had two on-screen deaths that were pretty hard to watch. Right, just like watching people die. Um, it got to the extent that, like the, I don't remember what births happened. Births always happen. Oh, I don't really oh, the remember. Birth, the birth that. was the the birth was the singer. The uh, the 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 um one who uh, her her. Julia, oh, right. Yeah. She chose a life of stay at home momdom instead of like global superstardom or whatever. Yes, which I was like, that's not a great. That's not a great message either. You're not really rooting for that as an audience member that she's just going to yeah. give up her singing career, but she does. And, and the then, and the other and the other and the and the other happy story is the centennial, um, which is more about like oh, sister, where I thought Sister Julianne was going to die. Yeah, where where Sister Hilda, where where Sister Hilda is all upset because um because uh, instead of asking her to do it, they 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 bring back Sister Bernadette, who is not like she actually refers to her as Sister Bernadette, like in this kind of like. You know, that's not her name anymore moment. I actually kind of liked that moment. And not because of the story. I thought the centenary story was kind of stupid. But I do I do always wonder. I I think it's really realistic sometimes to like not everybody is totally fine with the fact that 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 she literally left the order to go get married. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's really human and normal. 
And while I'm sure her relationships with everybody at Nanata's house are still very, you know, legitimate and strong, I think being kind of petty about that is, I think that's very human and very normal. And I think it's really one of the things this show does the best in the sense that like a lot of times, I know I've talked about this before, guys, I'm sorry. When you see people who are very religious on television, they're either they're they're like they're they're paragons of how to be a person of faith and they don't do anything wrong or experience things like pettiness or jealousy or any of the stuff that you know like normal people do because they're nuns and nuns don't do that well the nuns are still human and i think that's really important right agree with that i feel like they they actually if there's one character that they've actually done something with it's sister hilda this season because honestly like i kind of have screen blindness when she comes on half the time like trying to remember (laughs) who she is and what's going on with her because she's not that involved but there are a couple actually interesting storylines with her um there's this one i forget what episode it was but she's she's essentially doing a, a clinic for getting people to quit smoking and she does this riff on like how just physically satisfying it is to puff on a cigarette like from her days in the WAFs um, which was like being in the like <laughs> the, uh, the women's Air Force Corps you in... know because they were women before they became yeah, sisters yeah I thought that was good like I, I thought it was good to sort of see her sort of expressing that there was life before the nunnery and then you know and, then uh, the and sort she's of... really right about smoking too <laughs> I, I know that I was a little bit like maybe not the message to get people to stop smoking but uh... especially like during these times we're like <laughs> screw it I'm just gonna smoke what else can happen I know, I know. Um, yeah, and then that, and then do having her be a little bit petty about the whole c- celebration thing was, you know, humanizes her. It makes her like a fuller person. I thought, yeah, I, I actually oh. thought that we got some Sister Frances like was hardly in any of the episodes. I think she got chicken pox. I think that's the only thing I remember is at some point she got chicken pox. Oh right, that was like her big plot point. Yeah, um, I mean she, I mean she, she, she was also the one who told the um who told the woman with the cervical cancer that she was she was sort of her her support nun in that in that right. storyline. Oh right, and I think she also sat with Sister Monica Joan when that man died. Yes, the TB guy. And and I only remember this because she said something that I thought was so like sort of quaintly bizarre and not approved by the church, where she's like, "Open his window, open the window to yes, let his soul out." I remember that. And I'm like, that is not church approved. <laughs> but I was really like, it felt really uh, like the kind of you know not superstitiousy but sort of folky things that you do in times like that i was like the church does not say you need to open a window to let a soul out but i love that i i i i i have to say i actually really like sister francis she's sort of the emotional support nun um she just sort of wanders around and like just sits next to people and gives them emotional support and i think that's great <laughs> I think that's definitely true that's definitely true um but yeah, I mean, you know, she that death she sits at when you think about it, it was just some guy dying of TB. Even that was awful because you sit there watching the dude just sort of expire and it's a long shot and you're forced to sort of confront the fact that like, you know, there's no other show, you know, as much as we're sort of criticizing the show, no other show would would take on this stuff. It's true. The, especially the part right before he kicks it where they're talking about how um uh, somebody, I can't remember which one of them is judgy about it, but one of them is judgy about the fact that he's dying in a, in essentially like a step up from a DOS house. And for those yes. of you who don't know, a DOS house is a place where you have to pay for your lodgings by the night. Um, and I really thought that that was the, and then whoever doesn't say that was like, no, this is like so much, this isn't, you know, it's not like great, but it's so much better than that. And I think the show is really upfront about, the ugly way that poverty 
really is a day-to-day specter in all of these people's lives. Yeah, and I think I think it need and it's it needs to do that because there's a bit of a danger in the way they portray the East End as a lot of happy-go-lucky people with very bright clothing. Yeah, like the it's like the whole trope of the noble poor. Right. Like they're suffering, but they're okay with it. And it's it just I mean, it's gross. Like it's it's dirty, it's disease-ridden, it's there's a reason that the East End is stereotyped the way that it is, and it's because the conditions there were horrible. Yeah. Um. They did. Uh, they also. Um. I. I should also bring up the Higgins getting robbed. Um. Uh. That's that. That also happened this season. And um. And and the the fact that she didn't want to go back to her house and like she sort of like you know gives notice without actually having any place to move to. Like I think that also you know it the the the. The, the the sort of trauma that living in these places kind of does to you without thinking um, was also something that they sort of touched on this season, which is something that you don't get a lot in these shows or in any show, really. Um, but even so, like, I don't know, maybe it is because I'm Jewish, but whenever we hit the Holocaust, I just I kind of wish we didn't. <laughs> I know, I know. But one thing I will say is that because I often go on at some length about how how well I think this show handles Catholicism, I would love your thoughts on how it handles Judaism in this episode. Oh, I actually okay. thought I thought the scene at the end where where they decided to try to like help him process his Holocaust trauma by giving him the bar mitzvah he never got. I thought that was beautiful. Yes, I did too, and it's something that um as much as I, I was just like, no, we're not really going here. When he said, and we got on the, and we were put on a train, and I was like, no, oh god, we really are going here. Um, a lot of the other stuff I really loved. I loved the whole thing about the fact that he was a furrier and that he worked with skins, and that that's you know a really traditional job that um, Jewish people had in the UK. I loved his father. <laughs> I love that dude. His surrogate father. I'm not sure, like, because his member, his father had to turn to the left. Right. Yeah. That's right. But I, I, I love, I loved the father figure. I just, I, I loved him. Like he reminded me of so many like elderly relatives that I've known. And uh, the whole thing about the whole thing about you know you, you can't tell you can't tell the name. Um and like and the wife trying to like you know trying to 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 to, to you know to find ways to to bring Judaism into their family, even though this isn't quite her thing. Like, all of that was really touching, and I did really love that. I just wish that we could do that without having to drag Auschwitz into it and gas chambers. Yeah. I just Although, I, I mean, at least, at least, unlike some other shows that we watch, at least the time period is relatively consistent with the fact that this could have actually been, like, he he like it's not a stretch for him to be a survivor of one of the camps i could have done without his detailed explanation of it but i did really like uh i really and i, don't, I was trying to think if i think the show has done something like this before and i don't think they have i really liked the idea that his illness wasn't because he had tb or something like that it was just his trauma like physically manifesting in his body yes because you can hold stuff in that makes you sick and and it's really like I loved that that Dr. Turner took that seriously and that the show took it seriously. And I just thought that was really well done. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I just 
And I know that there's a level, and this is also like one of the frustrating things is that there, you know, most people of this time period in Europe, yeah, that's what they went through. Like there, there weren't a lot who escaped it, right? Like everybody touched by it. Like there's a level where like my family tree simply stops at my grandparents because the rest didn't make it out. Like, and I know that, but it's also frustrating because it does feel like the easy trauma to hit. Yeah, I mean, I I think that story definitely had its had its ups and downs. I think you know, um, it was interesting because Sister Hilda figures into this one as well, right? Like she seems sort mm-hmm. of, and and I wondered if that sort of rang true. Like, would a Catholic nun of the 1960s be as sort of open minded about Judaism? Because I think she actually, and I I, be- I believed it. I think she sold it, you know, the the role, and I think she seemed very personally affected and wanting to learn more about it and sort of seeing the commonalities between the faiths. And I oh, thought that was fox, interesting. The fox, the the fox fur. Yeah, the fox fur thing was a you know that might have been one of the few like you know tissue box moments because as hor- horrendous as this season has been, it hasn't. I haven't sort of had a lot of crying moments because it's just been so. I, it's it's like more like. It's a different emotion, but that one was that one. Yeah. Uh, when, and um, the the thing is, is that like um, just as someone who has dealt with many different kinds of Christians as a Jew, um, Catholics are usually the most open minded. It's it. Um, uh, <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because I see my boss like it is actually like my experience, um, especially here in America, that the ones you have to avoid are the evangelicals because the wor- the only thing worse than an anti-Semitic is a philosemitic. Um <laughs> But right. uh, um, honestly, like that Sister Hilda's response really rang true to me. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting aspect of it. I think it was very that was t- and like I said, it was one of the few sort of just touching scenes which you often get where it's sort of like emotionally like it's a sad moment, but it's also life reaffirming. Whereas we've just had a lot of just flat out just horror kind of yeah. <laughs> moments that mm, has yeah. not really yeah. been a thing uh, in this series before. I mean, I know I've said this before, but one of the things I do love the most about this show is that it is faith affirming, but not necessarily a particular stripe of religion affirming, if that makes sense. Like, it really seems to believe that, like, that if you believe in something, we all have something in common. Yeah. There's definitely the high, you know, find your higher power, whoever, whatever it is. It's it's very Jesuit in that way. (laughs) Definitely an aspect of that. But I did want to ask you both because I've been wondering about this myself. Like, do you think that just the world of the last two years, specifically COVID, all the other hell that we sort of have gone through might have affected the writing of this series? Like that they that just the sort of the the real world we live in is coloring these storylines and making it take a darker turn. Like, I just wondered about that. It might it might not be a conscious thing, but... Uh, it might not be a conscious thing. You know, I, I sat through a panel during season 10 um, with the uh, with the creator of the show and the, the guy who plays Dr. Tur- Dr. Turner, who is her husband in real life, by the way, um, and, like, some of the actors. And the thing that really struck me is how much they were sort of struggling with season 10 to sort of keep things light because things were so dark. And I wonder if season 11 was a little like, okay, we, we, we've stopped trying to keep it. Like the response to that. Yeah. Like it was, it was sort of the, 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 the polar opposite reaction where suddenly you go real, real dark. An an overcorrection. Yes. This is like 67, 
right? Yes. yes, this is 67 because um they did they just announced that uh homosexuality is now legal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I did love that they gave of course it's Dr. Turner. They gave Dr. Turner that like 2-minute segment of being like this is not like that's still not enough blah 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 and I was like, yeah, Dr. Turner. Those are some of the flattest moments ever is when Dr. Turner and Sheila are like at home and they just give a speech about social issues <laughs> and it's just like it just feels so because usually like they're Dr. Dr. Turner letting us know. Right. She's always letting us know. I, I definitely feel like that knowing that Dr. Turner is the husband of the show's creator really does sort of explain those moments to me. <laughs> yeah. Like what I did. I actually did not know that until you just said it. But it does. It does make a lot of sense that why those things are always in the mouths of that character. That explains a lot to me. Mm-hmm. But my question was going to be this is set in 67. I don't know enough about the 60s, Nick. I'm looking at you. What, like, what is the world the story takes place in like? Is this, like, a pushback against that, a reflection of it? Like, does it even, other than Eurovision and the throwaway note that homosexuality is not illegal anymore, like, is this, is this even tied into the time period in any way? I, know, I think the show does a good job of not giving us the stereotypical picture of like the summer of love, right? That's 1967. That's when like, you know, it, I think you see it a little bit like I do think, to be honest, like the day glow colors. I'm waiting for hippie squatters to show up. I've been waiting for hippie squatters to show right, up before right, episodes. Right. I expect them to show up before episode eight or right. by the Christmas special. Like they're going to be there. Well, that's what I keep thinking. I mean, that's but that's very stereotypical. And that's sort of like, and I also think like the colors and the outfits and the makeup are are like really for folks who are sort of working class. They're very sort of Carnaby Street, like what you see there. Um but I think in general, they avoid the sort of pitfall of falling into like, OK, this is a summer of love. Let's make sure like people are smoking, you know, marijuana and listening to the be- to the Beatles and going to. I mean, that's not what life was really like. And people are are of all different ages. And Dr. Turner is like, you know, he's hip to social issues, but he's not going to grow his hair like he shouldn't grow his hair long and like become a hippie. Like, it's not a thing that should happen. So I actually think that they they do a decent job of like of of showing of not falling prey to like what you see in a lot of American TV shows, like, okay, it's the sixties. Everyone's getting stoned. Peace and love, man. Um, that's, you know, that's not the reality. It certainly was even less the reality in the East end than it would have been in sort of swinging London, you know, you know, a few, few miles down the road West. Um, so I, I think they do a decent job of that. I I've, um, like you sort of expect when you watch this, like we all talked about, like we expected the World Cup thing to happen. I wasn't expecting Eurovision, but I thought that was cool because that was a big deal. Eurovision was something that, and it still is, still is, is sort of a pop culture thing that touches all classes. So I could see that sort of making sense that like kind of everyone knew about that. But then again, it's like, you know, they're not listening to like the the most, um, they're listening to pop music. They're not listening to like the underground stuff. You know, they're not listening to like, you know, early Pink Floyd in 1967 or whatever. It's like, no, it's the it's the Eurovision concept. What was that song, Puppet on a String? You know, and if you yes. heard that song. Um, uh, it, it was the winning song that year. Right. Um, I will say that the UK's entry this year will not win. It is terrible. <laughs> I hear what's getting aired in the US. Is, isn't some streamer picking it oh, up? Oh, yeah, no, it's on, it's on Peacock. Okay. Um, Peacock but also there's a weird American version of Eurovision that NBC <laughs> I saw is that. trying to make happen. Yeah, which is, why, which is why that Peacock, because Peacock is NBC streamer. It's hosted streamer. by like Kelly Clarkson and Snoop Dogg, <laughs> yeah. so take from that what you will. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a, it, 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 
it's got a, it's got the idea, but I don't think the execution is there. Um, I think also, you know, Eurovision is really only three episodes, people, and like NBC trying to turn it into sort of American Idol doesn't <laughs> doesn't suit it. Right, right. I do have to say one more thing about the Eurovision because I wrote this down on my on my sheet of paper as I was watching it. That um, at one point they want to the, the um, sister Monica Joan, of course, is the one of who course. wants to watch uh, Eurovision on the television 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 in their um you know in an Otis house and she wants to have a big party and have lemonade which is that's the excitement of the party and um sister julianne comes and she's like it seems a very frivolous event and um you know uh one of the i think nurse corrigan says well we did a party for the world cup and sister julianne says this is popular music the world cup was history <laughs> so like all right who wrote that like who was a huge soccer fan that had to like dunk on eurovision in favor of world cup but um i, I will say that when Eurovi- eurovision has never quite been taken seriously um one of my favorite moments in grandchester is that they 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 actually show um daniel and uh Le- and leonard watching eurovision in the late 1950s because it was part of the underground gay culture of the time and has always had that 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 aura around it and so even when it got big in the 1960s and hit the mainstream in this kind of way and and the uk actually won and people start paying attention it still was sort of seen as a uh, it's sort of frivolous and and and, and, and not a thing you know like the way the people you know it, i mean patriarchy it's the way we treat romance novels is just not a thing it's yeah. not a serious book it's not, right. it's not a serious television show yeah um uh, it is a serious television show and everybody should watch eurovision because i love it well, Sister Julianne apparently is the biggest football fan around, which I didn't really pick up from the last season, but that's that's fine. That's fine. She's cool. Um, spe- speaking of uh, Sister Julianne and Sister Monica Joan, do we think the, do do we think they'll survive the season? We've got four more episodes to go. I had I had thoughts or at, at two separate moments. I thought one or both of them was going to kick it. <laughs> but true. I do, I think I think the odds are higher on Sister Julianne actually because she at least like serves a, a more important narrative function. Like if she passes, who's gonna like run Nanata's house? Who's gonna like keep everything together? Versus Sister Monica Joan, who is Sister Monica Joan? It ain't gonna be Sister Hilda. We we we've been told that Sister <laughs> Hilda is not qualified to handle leadership. You know that that sort of came up. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's interesting. Like, I feel like, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is just sort of knowing too much inside info that we know, like about how many more seasons have been greenlit mm. that I just don't see Sister Monica Joan or Julianne going this season. Not quite yet. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. And I don't even think like, I don't even, I honestly, even though I had a moment where I was like, oh, they're finally going to do it. I, I really don't even believe that because I feel like, I feel like everybody has gotten so attached to Sister Monica Joan at this point that she will never die on screen. She will go like upstate to the other nunnery with the elderly to play with the other elderly nuns or something. Cause like that, that's just what I think is going to happen. Right. The show has become so grindingly dark. Like she's the only source of this sort of one liner every once in a while that will just sort of drop the tension level down. So <laughs> I did love her for just randomly pulling out some John Milton. <laughs> I knew at you would. I knew you would. That made me. That. that gave me joy. <laughs> I mean, for the record, the actress Judy Parfit is eighty six. Um. So you know, I. I Though I will say, because the show has now gone on 11 years and it is greenlit for, you know, three more at this point, um, 
I think that if she were to say, you know what, guys, I, I can't do it anymore. I, I gotta go. I can't do this. I need to retire. Or the, again, the the actress who who plays uh, Sister Julianne, uh, Jenny Gutter. I mean, I like you know, as you said, this is one of the few who has been here the whole way. You know, she she's not she's she's not as she her she's not as old. So like, I I I don't see her going anywhere. But I feel like were she to say something. Were they where she to decide she was done? Like there would be a it would basically be like the story of the season ahead of time. We would be told ahead of time. It would be hyped um, in the same way that like, you know, I was sort of like, are we done with Trixie at the same time? No, if Helen George decided she was done, like she's not going to sort of just float away like Nurse Valerie. Like yeah. we are going to know ahead of time. Laura Maine is another one. Like we are going to know Cliff Parsi, like any of them are going to, if one of those like originals, like OG originals decide they are done with this show and their character is going to either die or retire, it is going to be like the thing we know about before the show premieres. That makes sense. And then they'll get to hype it up as like, say goodbye to Trixie or whatever. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like it's, it's too much of a marketing thing and it's, and audiences wouldn't react well. To oh what, yeah, if they just like shot killed her off. Yeah, no, like it just, uh, especially someone like Sister Monica Joan. Like I just feel like that's not how it, the the audience wouldn't stand for it. And I think that's also why the sort of kind of brief health scares we get for both of them feel, falls kind of flat because you don't really believe it. Like I, I don't. I it sounded like you were worried Even about Dr. Turner had the line about how like you keep getting sick and we keep putting you back together. Right, right. Like I didn't really believe the system. I mean, I, I you know, she she was again sort of pushed herself too hard, got sick. So again, they were sort of keying in on like, you know, the mind body thing, which I think was, was was a great development this season. But I didn't believe it. I didn't believe for a second that Sister Julianne was really sick <laughs> or that something's going to happen to her. Um, and I don't believe it about Sister Monica Joan. I agree. It will be a big story and we'll be prepared. It'll be a multi-episode arc. It's not going to be like I just kind of got dizzy and then, you know, then I was gone. Yeah. The only way that will actually happen is if, God forbid, like the actress were to die. Like, that's the only right. thing that I if 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 so, if they're basically if their bluff was called, then, yes, the show will have to do that. But the the show will not do that of its own choice. No. So are you looking forward to season 12 this fall? I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, of course. No, I say it's not this fall. It's going to be next spring. No, I know. I'm Whenever it like... comes. I mean, oh, but sorry. Yes. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I meant like, you know, like the, we're now going like in right, cycles. Yeah. Give me six weeks. I'll be ready in six weeks. Just like ramp it up again. That's all we need. Um, I just all I really I mean, I, did, I know that this show is probably going to outlive all of us. I just really want it to find the balance again between like this sort of dour despair and sadness and dead everything and something that is a little bit more like joy because i don't know vanessa redgrave voiceover tells me that that's what lets me know that we're living or something <laughs> yeah, of so course, of course well I, I it would help if 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 she became it, they either need to drop that or they need to make it more connected because right now it does not work oh i know i know it's also even longer it's even longer than it used to be it's like two minutes of her just rambling about life and love it's, it's two minutes of her like live life loving <laughs> for nothing it's exactly that's exactly the it's a perfect description but uh, there's part of me that still kind of wants to see it like I keep wondering, like, what would, like, 
you know, 1977 looked like at Nanata's house when like the Sex Pistols were coming around. What would like Thatcher <laughs> Thatcherite England look like with you know? So part of me wants I to see. I can't wait like, for some of them to like like discover David Bowie. Right, Let's right, do that. Like well, glam rock. Just to bring it back to when I when I when I interviewed them, the when I when I was at the 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 roundtable interview, they actually they they started making jokes about you know if when the show hits 1975, we'll start having male midwives because that's when they were legalized. <laughs> right. And somebody actually did the math and said yes that's coming in season 2022 it's season 22 or something like that and yes. i was just like yeah yeah i could see the show doing that actually right it's gonna be like coronation street or eastenders just run it run it this show could run forever <laughs> well that is uh our check-in on the doings at nanata's house uh i'm sure there are more babies and apparently horrible deaths to come this season uh we await i don't even know what to i don't even know what to say i'm like please be happier that's all i want um fair nick thank you for joining us thank you for having me and talking about all of this uh heart-rending sadness and despair and uh, tell the people where they can find you online to, I don't know, talk about something happier than this. Oh, uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Nick Scalera and happy to talk about Call the Midwife or music or soccer or anything like that um, at any point. Um, and uh, yeah. He also enjoys Ted Lasso. Right. Ted Lasso is Ted Lasso is not not too far away either, folks. So no, so actually, Ted Lasso has been delayed because oh, of the uh, that's right because uh, they they couldn't get the field because all the games were delayed from uh, the Omicron surge. So yeah, because real soccer is happening in the same stadium yes. they need to fill. Yes. Um, Annie, you are up. Oh, okay. Um, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my extremely fuzzy cats at Annie Bundle on Instagram. I am a staff writer at Elite Daily and the associate editor here at Televisions, and I also freelance around the web. So if you want to know what I wrote this week, just follow me on Twitter because I retweet all my bylines, and that's the fastest way to know what I wrote today. Huzzah! I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And like Annie, I write a lot around the entertainment web and here at Televisions, but I always tweet my bylines. So come and be my friend. And you can read all of my thoughts on the uh, disparate web of things that I enjoy. Uh, if you just want the Televisions content, the site and the pod are on social media at Televisions blog, all one word on Facebook, Tele underscore visions on Twitter. And our podcast can be found on YouTube at the WETA channel at Weed up PBS. Uh, what else am I supposed to tell you guys about? I'm supposed to tell you guys to visit the site, which is at televisions.org, where you can read all of our latest news and recaps of things and click on the donate button up top if you're feeling super inclined to help us keep doing what we do and support public media at the same time. Uh, you'll also get access to PBS Passport, where you can watch. Goodness, there's a lot of things that are coming to Passport early this summer before they air. Uh, like Cobra is currently there. Annika is coming this month. It is April. Time is a mystery. There's a lot of good stuff. You can also leave us a review on your podcast service of choice. Please say something nice because Nick is my boss and I would like to get a raise this year. So uh, I'd appreciate that. It's springtime. I don't know what's going on in the world pandemic year three i'm trying to buy a house it's a whole hot mess in my life in the world in general so take a minute and take a deep breath we've got this somehow be nice to your neighbor or stranger at the grocery store 
check out if you are eligible for a fourth booster. I can't wait to get boosted up again. I really want superpowers this time, but uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Watch some British TV. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.